With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. WQAD Podcast Network. Movers and shakers leading businesses, nonprofits, governments, and schools across the Quad City area, Illinois, and Iowa. How did they get started? What is their story? Their goals? Their advice for the next generation of the girl power movement? And now, here's your host for Wonder Women, News 8's Angie Sharp. Powerful women with powerful positions. This is the Wonder Woman podcast. It's a show dedicated to showing off the girl bosses in our communities. My guest is Diane Coster, and she has a really beautiful and important story to tell, literally, because she's an author. Welcome, Diane. Thank you, Angie. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak today. So the book is called Lindsay's Legacy, A Mother's Memories, and you co-wrote it with your daughter, Lindsay, as she was going through something that many people could never, ever imagine. So first, tell us all about Lindsay. Well, <laughs> she it was is one of two children that I have and my only daughter, and um, she became a very accomplished young woman um, as she got into her 20s and graduated from college after the five-year plan. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. She had a good time in college, but she's a fun-loving person, and um, she has she had such a wide circle of friends and, and uh, people that she liked to hang out with and just enjoy life with. And um, once she graduated and, and uh, landed a really great job at, at, uh, in the hotel uh, hospitality industry, and she made a name for herself in the community and um, excelled at her position and, and eventually became the director of, of um, her department. And um, she bought her own home, and she didn't have a relationship where she ended up being married or having children, which was one of the things she always wanted. But uh, she had her puppy, Lola. (laughs) Her baby. um, That was her baby. Yep. So, you know, in her short life um, of 28 years when she was diagnosed, she had accomplished so much, and um, done so many things. She even um, participated in a trip to Dubai that was sponsored by the oh, Chamber. Wow. Yeah, that was that was a highlight of her life, I think. And um, just, you know, career-wise and personal-wise, she had really grown into this very successful, strong woman who made a huge impact in our community, in our family, in her circle of friends. Yeah, I was never friends with Lindsay, but I feel like a lot of my friends were friends with Lindsay, and so I'd always see, you know, pictures of her at events and mm-hmm. just just really getting at it, you know, in her 20s and yeah. like doing really, really awesome things. I mean, it's a cliche, but she really had everything going for her until this diagnosis, right? Yes, absolutely, um, which really took us all by surprise. Number one, it was um, 
a very rare type of breast cancer called inflammatory breast cancer, which none of us close to her were really familiar with. And there was no family history. She obviously wasn't at the age to start any um, breast cancer screenings. Right. Um, totally took us um, by surprise and didn't make any sense and still to this day really didn't make any sense. And unfortunately, her journey had to end way, way too soon, way, way too early in her life, right? Yes. the, The type of breast cancer that she had, again, inflammatory breast cancer is extremely rare. Only 1% to 3% of all breast cancers are um, considered what they call inflammatory breast cancer. There's no lump. Um, it's generally not detected on a mammogram anyway because it, it, it gets into the cells of the breast, so it doesn't really clump together like and form a lump like a traditional breast cancer. And um, because of its um, aggressiveness, we lost her. Um, she lost her battle within 10 months of being diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the spite in her, you know, on social mm-hmm. media. She was not um, shy about putting it out there. Right. Uh, she wanted her story to be told. Do you think that's because of, I mean, her age, because of how rare this condition is, uh, why do you think it was that she wanted this to kind of be a, a public battle that a lot of people could, uh, you know, talk to her about and feel, mm-hmm. feel comfortable reaching out to her about? Well, she's the type of person that needed to have answers. Yeah. And she did a ton of research, which sometimes, you know, Dr. Google yeah. isn't great. Because <laughs> I've been can, there, yeah. It can, you know, give you all sorts of different outcomes, um, but she she realized how rare this was, but she felt like she needed to connect to other people that maybe had dealt with it. Um, she, she never gave up hope, and she wanted to talk to people that had survived this because the, the chances of survival are very low, mm-hmm. and um, she felt like she needed to have that connection, but she also felt like she's an intelligent person. Her parents are intelligent people. None of us knew about this, and we just needed to educate as many people as possible so that they can watch for the symptoms. And she started actually a Facebook page specific to inflammatory breast cancer, so she tried to create Um, a space for people to connect. And then she reached out to an organization that we've been supporting ever since um, her death, which was the IBC Network Foundation. And it's run by a woman who is a survivor of inflammatory breast cancer who has dedicated her life now to helping other women, educating, directing them to resources. Um, she started this foundation where they primarily direct money to research into all the different aspects of inflammatory breast cancer. And she does it on her own dime. She doesn't pay wow. herself at all. And she was a great resource for Lindsay right from the beginning. Um, she responds to every single person that reaches out to her. And again, that's it's she's made it her life's mission. And um, so we felt really 
positive about what this organization is doing and what they're offering to women that are being diagnosed with this rare disease. And so because she was such a help to Lindsay, that's why, you know, a portion of um, some of the money we raise goes to them for research. Before we jump into the book, I want to go back to um, what you had said before that really kind of uh, caught my ear, and that is that Lindsay was diagnosed with this before the age that we go to go get mammograms and right. go and, you know, you get kind of the, you know, you do like the self-test in the shower yeah. at your right. annual appointment, but that wouldn't have found it. So how did she find out that she had this? What were some of the symptoms? Well, the symptoms of inflammatory breast cancer can be like other symptoms of other things. So that's an, another another concern is that it could be um, a mastitis when a woman is maybe breastfeeding or, um, you know, a bee sting or, or a bug bite or something. But it's primarily a redness, warmth. Um, sometimes the breasts will get um, like an orange peel um, feeling to it. Mm -hmm. um, there's pain. There's... And it doesn't get better, and that's usually the the telltale sign because generally your primary physician will treat it as if it's an infection of some sort. Right, give you and, some medicine, yeah. Yep, yep, and that's what they did with Lindsay. She was on two rounds of antibiotic until they realized it wasn't responding, and that's when they sent her for uh, a biopsy, which is what they actually have to do is take some of that tissue and look at it to confirm that. It is inflammatory breast cancer. And then, so she gets this diagnosis. She was mm -hmm. 28 when she got the diagnosis? Yes. Yep. 28 years old, getting this diagnosis. And what at that point, what did they say to her? I mean, did they say, like, this, this, this is not good? Or, I mean, what was the kind of the, the story from there? Yeah. Well, in typical Lindsay fashion, she had... <laughs> already decided that's what it was before she was ever told. Oh, right, sure. She knew it. Yeah. And, and it was hard to hear that. Yeah. Um, in, that in that moment when she and I and, and her dad basically were in the surgeon's office to get the official word um, to actually hear that she had inflammatory breast cancer, it's just devastating. You just I was still in denial. There was, I have a medical background and there was no way that this was gonna be breast cancer. There it just didn't make any sense. Right. Like you um, said, there's no family history of this. Right. I mean that's yep. uh... Yeah, so I mean she was ready to fight right away and she had already done enough homework that she knew that you know, there was cer there are certain protocols that you follow for treatment of this type of a breast cancer, which is not traditional, again, with as it would be for another type of breast cancer. But um, and she she really weighed her options. Um, she knew that she could go maybe to the University of Iowa, or that there were um, world-renowned inflammatory breast cancer clinics um, in at in Boston, Dana Farber, Houston, MD Anderson they see inflammatory breast cancer regularly. Hmm. But um, the, the oncologist that she went to actually had some of that expertise because he had come from um, Chicago and um, I believe Northwestern, but where they also 
are considered experts in, in IBC. So she felt comfortable staying here. She didn't want to go somewhere else. She wanted to be here in her home, going through treatment with her family around her. Yeah, and still living and life. She, still be able to live exactly. late and she did. Yeah, exactly. And she did as much as she could when she felt like it, like she could. She was, you know, feeling well some days and really bad other days when she was going through the treatment. But that was more important to her. Um, she really put all her trust into the oncologist, and and we all believe, including her, she, everybody believes that they did everything they could for her, um, given this situation, which in her case, this gets a little technical, but she's what they consider to be triple negative. And mm-hmm. what that means is they, they do tests after you're diagnosed to see if there's any receptors that they can identify and target with specific treatments. And all of her recept none of them showed anything. They were all negative. Okay. When we first heard that, us not knowing anything about that stuff, we thought, oh, yay, negative. No, <laughs> that's not good yeah. because we don't have anything to target with treatment. Right. Um, so we have to just do what we can with the knowledge we have with this disease right now. And they basically just threw the kitchen sink at her and tried everything possible, which was really hard on her because some of these chemos are really, really, really strong. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the side and they were, that, yeah. yeah, the side effects were really difficult. Um, but she never gave up hope. I mean, she never started talking about dying until really close to the end. And because she just really felt like she was going to beat this. And in the book, um, from some of her writings, you you will see that. And she refers to that, how she wants to be the one in a million to beat this. Mm. Do you see her as a survivor still? You know, even though we've lost her, do you still see her as that warrior, as that survivor? Absolutely. Yeah. Because her story, because the people that loved her are keeping her story alive. And we do our annual golf outing in her memory every year, and um, people are talking about her. They, mm-hmm. Her Facebook page is still live as a, as a remembrance page, <laughs> and people are always posting on there. And I can see activity at her grave. Yeah. And that's what I always say to everybody around us is that, that would be the worst thing for me is if people forget about her. Right. Well, and that's the reason for the book, right? That's the reason to put together Lindsay's legacy, a mother's memory. So at what point did Lindsay start journaling, writing some of these things down? And when did you guys decide that we should do something with this? She started immediately. And what she did, Angie was actually set up a GoFundMe page. And she did that because right away everybody, and I, I have to tell you, the circle of people that Lindsay's life touched was huge. And just mm-hmm. because of all the friends she had and it just extended beyond there. But she, it, she wanted to set something up because people wanted to do something. They yeah, wanted they wanted to, to know. Yeah, They wanted to know what was going on with her, but they wanted to do something. They wanted... When you have somebody so close to you that's diagnosed with a fatal disease, you want to do something. Right, and you want so to act, they, yeah. Yeah, they wanted to help her in some way. So um, a lot of people did want to help her financially. I mean, this is a single woman 
who had a mortgage and a car payment and wasn't able to work for a period of time and then ultimately lost her job. Um, so she had financial obligations, not only her medical bills, right, um, which but were her expensive. I can only imagine exactly. if they're throwing every yep. single treatment at her. Yeah. So that's why she did it. You know, it was twofold. It was to give people an outlet to help and then to also give people that were scattered all over the United States that loved her and wanted to know what was going on, a place for her to give updates on a regular basis. So that's what she, she knew how powerful her, her story was already. Yeah. And she was an excellent writer. I mean, she was an <laughs> English major in college yeah. and she loved to write and she was a very good writer. And um, for me then to take her story after the, after she she passed and for me to write my um, my memories around her entries, I just felt like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I'm doing her justice because I'm not the writer that she was. But thankfully, I had friends that were very good editors that helped me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but of course. It, it wasn't a plan um, while she was doing this. Okay. But her writing impacted so many people. I mean, it touched thousands of people on the GoFundMe page. And the she there was almost $100,000 over that period of time that people donated to help her um, pay her bills. It was it was so impactful and, and her story touched so many people. But then I knew, mm-hmm. I just knew afterwards that it was something I had to do. And I, nobody else was going to do it. Right, it was just right. like, taking care of her it was me it was my it was me and I wanted to do it I knew I had to do it just like taking care of her for 10 months it was my job and Mm -hmm. I we I have a granddaughter um who was just one year old Lindsay's niece um when Lindsay died she had just turned one that was one of Lindsay's goals was to make it through the holidays and to make it to Audrey's first birthday and she did it yeah, and she died about ten days after that. But uh, she loved that little girl so much, mm-hmm. and for no other reason than to have her story in this format for somebody to have in their hands going forward for for Audrey to read one day, and for all of Lindsay's cousins' babies that are being born now, and all of her friends that are getting married and having babies, and it just. It's going to be there now for everybody to have and to read, even if they never knew her. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. I just think, and I think it's so unique because some of these um, books that we might put in this category maybe from one perspective, but this mm-hmm. book is from two different perspectives, which I think makes it even more special, right? I I hoped it would, and I actually felt like it is because I did hear from somebody that got their hands on this book recently who she happens to live in Iowa which is crazy (laughs) but she's also going through inflammatory breast cancer young woman reached out to me on Facebook didn't know me I don't know her but she got a hold of the book and read it and it was difficult for her to read obviously because she's going through the same disease but she said it gave her a whole different perspective of what her family is going through right now, oh, helping yeah. her. Yeah, because it's not just her. about the person going through it, but all the yep. other people, too. Yep. So that really made 
my heart happy because I was very concerned that, you know, is this going to be something that somebody's actually going through IBC would want to read? Because it doesn't have a good ending. Right. Obviously, it's not a happy ending. Yeah, not a happy ending. But, Except if you think about the impact that it's making now. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and to hear this woman that is dealing with this tell me how much this meant to her and how much it helped her understand maybe what her caregivers and her family are going through. Yeah. How hard was it to sit down, write from your perspective what you had to watch your daughter go through. I mean, I can't imagine how. And then, like, know that, well, this is going to be, like, put in a book. Like, and other people are going to yeah. read it. Like, it's not just journaling to yourself. Right. I mean, that's a really vulnerable position to be in. And, um, you know, you can't speak for every mom, you know, who's gone yeah. through this. But to be able to tell your story, uh, what was that like? Was it empowering? Was it crushing? I'm, I'm guessing it was probably all those things. It was. It was It was really difficult, for one thing. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't even get started um, until it was the second anniversary, I believe, of her death. And my goal, everybody kept telling me, oh, you know, just go at your own pace, take your time. Um, you don't have any deadlines. You know, everybody that was in that small circle that knew I was working on this project were so encouraging and telling me, you know, take your time, take your time. And it did take time. It took me a full year. But my goal, my internal goal, was to try to get it done by the third anniversary of her death. And I, I made that deadline by about a week. Um, wow. That was just, <laughs> Good yeah, job. It, but it took me a year. It yeah. took me a year. It took me two years to even start. Mm-hmm. And then um, because I, it was just really hard for me, and I say this in my notes in the book, it was hard for me to go back there. Yeah, you didn't. To, yeah. yeah, exactly. To try to recall and remember all these little details of things that I really have tried not to think about. Especially Why you block the them out. Died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The night she died was extremely hard to write about. And that was something that I kept putting off and kept putting off. And um, I, again, I kind of write about that in the book, how mm-hmm. I was able to do that one um, one Sunday. It was Mother's Day. And Lindsay's favorite little cousin, her youngest cousin, Katie, came into town and she wanted to spend the day with me, which meant so Aww, much to me. Yeah, And she was... Um, we went out for breakfast, and then she was laying on my couch snoozing. She's a young girl. She doesn't get much sleep. You know, she's in college. And, um, and that's exactly what Lindsay used to do on Sunday. She'd come to my place. We'd hang out, and then she'd take a snooze take on a nap, couch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Been and there. So in that, yeah, in that moment, I just felt compelled to sit down at my computer and write about that night. Wow. And it just kind of all poured out of me because for – probably that first year after Lindsay died, that's all I thought about. And then I knew I was healing when I started thinking about other things instead of the night she died. Mm. Um, So, you know, it's been a progression, and I'm sure everybody that goes through a death of a loved one deals with these same things. But to get it all out, it was very cathartic, and I really felt like at that point, this past year, I felt like I've moved on, and I can just 
think more about all the happy times um, and really you know, focus on doing what I know Lindsay wanted me to continue doing on her behalf is educating about inflammatory breast cancer. Yeah, well, one of them, I mean, call it the grieving process or a form of therapy yeah. or something like that, but I'm, there's a lot of people who don't take that next step, writing mm -hmm. all this stuff down, going back to those really hard moments that you would love to just lock away and never really yeah. think about again. Um, but I give you you know, full credit for just really opening up and writing it down, knowing, like, I need to do this because we need to continue this story. We need to continue this right. mission. Yeah. And I did. Um, I wanted the people closest to us, our family, my son and his wife and my ex-husband and his wife, and the people that lived through this with us, I wanted to make sure that they were comfortable with the fact that I was kind of letting it all out, and they totally gave me their complete support, and they they didn't want to look at it ahead of time. They didn't want to proof. They didn't want to edit. They didn't want to do anything. They said, "You you need to do this, and we trust you, and this is your thing, and you need to do it and go for it." Yeah. So they because were your perspective is the most unique one. It's the mother's perspective. Yeah. No one else can fill that role. Right. Yeah. yeah. So are you happy with how it turned out? Are you? Are, I um, am. You know, is, is, has it been, you've talked about the one woman who's already reached out to yep. you. Has it started to make that impact that you were hoping it would in just the last year or so? Definitely. Yeah. That's great. Yes. And, and it, again, you know, we can talk more about where the royalties, the proceeds. Yeah. The let's talk go. about that. Yeah. Um, but before I finished the book, I had re had had somebody reach out to me um, from um, Denver. It was a friend of Lindsay's from college and high school. And she messaged me on Facebook and said, Diane, I've, my husband's cousin, Vanessa, was just diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. Wow. And I was wondering if maybe you'd be willing to speak with her or her mom. It was almost kind of like the same situation. This was a single woman, early 30s. When I looked at her picture on Facebook, it, she even resembled Lindsay with blonde, long blonde hair and, you know, yes. just a life ahead of her. Yeah. And I said, of course. And then I had the phone, or I, I got off with her, and I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to say to these people? <laughs> um, I don't, am I really capable of talking to them and helping them maybe in some way? And so as it turns out, I connected with Vanessa's mom. And first of all, when, when we got on the phone together, she was like, oh, I hope you and your family are doing well. I hope Lindsay's doing better. And it occurred to me that Amanda hadn't told these oh, folks that the Lindsay had actually lost her life. Oh, gosh. And so I had to explain to this woman whose daughter is going through the same thing that Lindsay didn't make it. But... Um, I did, I shared with her some knowledge that I had gotten and gave her some resources to connect with, and they did end up going, they were from Minneapolis, and they did end up going to um, Houston to MD Anderson for her treatment. And then a few months later, I got to talk with uh, Vanessa, and she was doing really well, and she was really happy with her treatment. And um, so that that occurrence made me think about what do I want to 
do with this money that could come from the book, which isn't a mm-hmm. ton of money. Right. But we also do this golf outing every year, which raises about $16,000. And um, I, so I, this idea started to hatch in my head um, that I could maybe set up a, some sort of a foundation or a fund where we could specifically have money available to help women who are going through this diagnosis help them pay for some of their diagnostic tests that are required or airfare to get them to a a world-renowned treatment center um, or whatever, you know, not for daily expenses, but help in in getting their diagnosis and treatment. Um, So in the the interim, um, after, you know, I got this book done and then I was looking into ways I could really make a difference in the community, and I um, realized there was a position open at Genesis Health System that oversees a grant program that specifically helps women pay for their um, cancer screening exams. Um, and so I applied, and they hired me. <laughs> Amazing. I know. It was so, yeah. I didn't realize our other... that came after. That's incredible, that job. <laughs> yeah, um, it did, and it was it was just amazing, and it actually was a year ago. So I was still in the process of getting the book published because I self-published, self-published mm-hmm. on Amazon Kindle, uh, K- KDM, their their publishing arm, and it kind of all happened at the same time. I think <laughs> it's kind of hard to remember exactly what the the timeline was, but I talked with uh, Missy Gowie in the foundation at Genesis, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, Diane, we can do that. We can set up a fund." Um, specific to whatever you and your family want to do with that money. Um, you know, we we manage your money. We manage how, you know, it gets paid out and um, based on your recommendations. And it just was exactly what we wanted to do. So we set up the Lindsay's Legacy Fund at um, the Genesis Foundation. And we recently had our first woman reach out to us asking for some help. Um, so, yes. It's wow. definitely doing exactly what I hoped it would do and giving us opportunities like this to speak with you on this podcast mm-hmm. and to share information and educate people. Yeah, that's incredible that it's doing what kind of Lindsay started with that GoFundMe yeah. page yes. at the beginning of her journey. And it is, I think we do forget how expensive all of these treatments and things like that yeah. are. and. Of course, we want to get the the best treatment for our patients, but it Mm -hmm. comes at a cost. And I think it's so um, important, especially the the thought of the airfare. I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. you can't just get that treatment next door. Uh, Lindsay, you know, was able to do that in the Quad Cities, um, but sometimes you do need to fly somewhere or go to Mayo or all Mm -hmm. these the places where they're researching and doing those kinds of things. Um, right, or offering a clinical trial or something. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, exactly, and that's exactly the intent of this fund. So I was, we were just thrilled when we had somebody reach out to us. We're just like, oh, my gosh, we don't know what to expect. On one hand, obviously, we don't want women being diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. On yeah. the other hand, we want to be able to help women that might need, you know, if they're having a financial barrier. This woman that reached out to us actually lived in Florida, and her husband had just lost his job, and she had these mounting bills, and, you know, she had insurance, but she had her out-of-pocket that she couldn't pay, and so we were able to help with one of her bills, and 
um, that's exactly what we want to do. Amazing so. that you're not just helping people in Quad City area or Illinois, right. Iowa, but you're helping people across the country. And, you know, who knows yep. what this could turn into later on, too, already. Right. I mean, that's, that's incredible, Diane. Yeah. Um, so you're not just, you know, working for uh, the Genesis Foundation. Uh, you're not just a self-published author, which you can put on the resume now, which is, I'm sure, <laughs> incredible to you. Um, but you're also a business owner and just kind of going with, along with our theme of Wonder Woman and you yeah. and Lindsay both being Wonder Woman. I mean, how did you um, manage all of this? I mean, yeah. for anybody who, I mean, even if it's not a book like this, but maybe, you know, something dear to them that they would love to self-publish yeah. a book, um, but they've got a job. They also own a business. Um, yeah. We could talk about The Great Life in Davenport, Iowa is a yeah. fantastic wine store. You and your husband <laughs> did a great job there. Love going Thank there. You. Um, how did you manage doing all of those things, but also still kind of going through this grieving process of yeah. losing your daughter? That's a good question, and I really don't know how I did it. <laughs> exactly. than... like, I don't have an answer for you, Angie. Yeah, I guess... You know, just like my daughter, we were very much alike. And when we set our mind to something, we just we just push through and we do it. Um, when Lindsay was diagnosed, we had just purchased that business, the Grape Life Wine Store and Lounge in Davenport. And um, so we are actually facing our five-year anniversary at the end of October. Wow. So it was five years Talk ago. Talk about a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Um, five years ago, we bought it. Um, Lindsay started having issues in March and then was officially diagnosed in April of that same, uh, the next year, I guess, because mm -hmm. we went through the holidays. But she was working with us at The Grape Life. She loved it. Um, the customers love her. She had such a funny personality, and she's a perfect hospitality industry person. And Yeah. Um, so... When after our first year and we were, you know, deep into her diagnosis and, and trying to handle the shop, because I was working full time at the Grape Life at that time. That was our plan. Mm -hmm. I left the nonprofit world and I was going to run the Grape Life full time. And my husband was a banker. He's a mortgage banker. And so that was how we were operating. And then all of a sudden, Lindsay gets sick and we had a couple part-time employees that at that time that we had inherited when we bought the business and they were amazing because there were days where I knew that I had to take Lindsay to see the oncologist or she had to have a chemo treatment or whatever, but then there might be something all of a sudden they're like, oh, we need to send you over because you're having this pain. We need to get an MRI today or you need to get your brain scan or she's having headaches and it was just like on a dime your day could change, yeah. and I could reach out to these part-time employees at a moment's notice, and they were all over it. They, they made sure everything just kept running smoothly. I never had to worry about that. There was a couple nights where we were in the midst of a capacity crowd because we have live music on the weekends, and mm -hmm. Lindsay called me from her house, and she would just be very sick. And I'd have to run her to the emergency room. And all of a sudden, I just had to leave Kevin there by himself, my husband, be like, I have to go take care of Lindsay, you know. And he'd be like, yeah. oh. Um, and it was crazy after, you know, people were like, how did your first year go owning a business? <laughs> and it's just like, well, I can't really tell you because it wasn't anything like a normal year 
first year would be for yeah, anybody. you're like not like any other business. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah. So, I mean, really, in hindsight, it's I couldn't have done it without the support of my husband and uh, you know our extended family and and our our employees at that time. It was you couldn't have done it. And then I look, I thought about that. And it was just like, well, the, the timing of all this was really good in the fact that I wasn't at an eight to five um, nonprofit development marketing job anymore yeah, where I would have had that. to quit that job. Right. There was no way I could have cared for Lindsay um, with that kind of a schedule. And, and that was it. That was my priority. She was number one. I had to be there for her. I had to drive her, you know, there came a time she couldn't drive herself. And I, you know, I was her second set of ears every time we saw the doctors. And um, I made sure that, you know, at one time she was probably taking 50 different medications and, you know, keeping track of that and, you know, just doing all of that and making sure that she was comfortable as much right, as possible. Being a mom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I still had the business side of things, even though I didn't mm-hmm. physically always have to be there, I was doing all the social media, I was doing the finances, I was making sure people were getting paid and getting all the bills paid. And so all that happened after I would get her settled at night. And, you know, there was one point I was actually living with her. And so I was in the bedroom next door doing all the grape life business at night on my laptop, you know, listening for her, you know, if she needed if anything. She needed anything yeah. right. Wow. I'm taking care of her puppy, you know, because somebody had to take care of the dog. She was, you know, incapacitated at one point. And um, so, yeah, I mean, (laughs) and then after she died, I was still working at the Grape Life for a couple years, uh, probably a year and a half. And it was, it was really difficult because grief comes along in waves and you never know when to expect it. And then mm-hmm. you never know who's going to walk through the door and say, start talking about her right. and get me all emotional, which was fine because I love talking about her. And I, yeah. I wanted to talk about her, but it probably made people feel like they shouldn't because I'd get very emotional. Right, or and you just didn't know I, when it would hit you or trigger you. Exactly. And then on the other hand, I'd have people walk through the door of the Grape Life, the business. They're there to buy a bottle of wine or whatever, and they might see Lindsay's picture sitting there or something, and they'd be like, oh my gosh, I knew Lindsay, or I followed her story, or, so it was like, that was something I never expected, and it was, that was probably the hardest thing when I didn't expect it, you know, I knew when yeah. certain people walked through that they knew her, We're gonna or ask I knew, about it. Sure, exactly, yeah. but people that I didn't know that knew her, or knew her story, it just took me totally out of the blue, and I just felt like it was very, very strange for me to be in this place every day, mm-hmm. um, trying to run a business where you're supposed to be happy and, right. you know, <laughs> bubbly. You know, it's a wine. I mean, it's a wine business, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a huge roller coaster. Plus, then I was trying to put this book together which was a huge mistake. I just couldn't, because that was like two different mindsets. I couldn't sit at my laptop when I wasn't, you know, nobody was there and try to do this because all of a sudden my head was in this other space. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, so that was... You can't just snap out of that. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so then we obviously got to the point where um, 
I had this job opportunity and Kevin was ready to retire from the bank and now he's at the Grape Life full time and we have no employees anymore through attrition. People have moved or whatever, but it's just um, he and I that are running the business now and um, it and it's it's I don't know, just to think about all that I went through and all we went through and um, I really don't know how I did it. Yeah, yeah. Kind the of, fact that yeah. you just it, do it. <laughs> right. You just do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I think I asked that question about how you balance it all because I don't, I don't know if I would ask the same question of a man. You know, I think that right. as women, we take on these burdens and especially yeah. in a mother role, you take on, I'm not saying that taking care of your daughter was a burden. I don't want to say that, but just that, yeah. like you, you were going to be the one there, you know, like yeah. you were the, you're her mom. Like I'm yeah. taking on this role. Um, but there's a lot of other things going on as well. And I just um, mm-hmm. think about how maybe the being able to um, get through the grieving process, um, be able to sit down and finally reflect on what happened, you really didn't have time to do that <laughs> when Lindsay right. was going through this because you had to be her girl. You had yep. to be her mom during those times, but also still all these other roles too. And so it's no surprise that it wasn't until a couple of years later that you're actually able to sit down with your thoughts yeah. and kind of go back to some of those really, really hard moments, which I think is, you know, one of the reasons why it is so challenging and hard for women to go through these kinds of things, right? Yeah. And I think women tend to have kind of a plan, you know? Yeah. So I've, oh, got, yeah. My, I've got my schedule for work. I've got my day that I spend with my granddaughter, Audrey. And then I got I've got my nights where I go in and and I you know help alongside Kevin and we you know have fun with our customers and our friends that come in to the Grape Life on a regular basis and mm-hmm. um, and then I try to make time to go see my parents who are in assisted living in Solon Iowa and um, we just a week ago uh, sold. Uh, property we had a rental house and there's just so much that goes on in a person's life but I think that you're able to kind of compartmentalize it maybe and I I do best when I have a plan but believe me after what I've been through <laughs> I, I realize you also have to shift on a dime and I think that that is also a skill of women that women have um, and it's not always easy, but um, again, I think when women are faced with adversity or challenges, they just do what they need to do. Yeah, and um, it's kind of second nature. Yeah, definitely. I think that that is such a great point to make. And do you think that um, Lindsay, being a woman who went mm-hmm. through this diagnosis, this rare diagnosis, do you think that that factored into her story too about her tenacity and I mean, she, you know, had everything going for her too, right? The big plan, right. the job, the the fur baby, you know, like yeah. she was she was on, you know, on that road, um, and then yeah. she really did have pivot. Yes, and she, I mean, that's that's kind of the epitome of Lindsay Thal. I mean, that's just the type of person that she was. Yeah, and because she had had she, you know, before she was diagnosed. Um, she had other challenges in her life. Her job was not easy. She dealt with um, some very, very challenging situations within her work life. Um, and then 
she had some very challenging situations in her personal life with the relationship she was in, which then caused strife within our family. Mm. And I very, very lightly touch on that because that was such a hard time for our family. But she actually had moved through those things. She had recently started a new job at a new property. She had gotten out of this abusive relationship and mm-hmm. she was starting to mend some of her um, family relationships when she got sick. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and I can't discount what she went through having some sort of an impact on her health. And she also felt that way. Sure. The stress and the challenges she faced in her work life for five years, almost five years, before she decided she had enough and she had to get out of that situation. The, the stress she had in this relationship that she was in, that she finally came to realize was not good for her. Mm-hmm. And then the outcome of that having impact on her family. Um, so all of those things put together and then she has this diagnosis. And it's, I mean, it's published. It's it's medical fact that that those things can have an effect on your health. Yeah, um, it, it, so uh, it's all related. I mean, I think we sometimes try to separate it into all these little pods, you know, like, yep. all right, got to focus on the work thing, and I got to focus on the marriage or, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And it really does. They all affect each other, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I want to ask you, Diane, some of the questions that I ask all of my Wonder Women, and I would love if you could kind of answer on behalf of Lindsay as well. Um, what is a Wonder Woman to you? Um, I'm sure Lindsay mm-hmm. <laughs> probably somebody that comes to mind, but what is a yeah. Wonder Woman to you, and what do you think a Wonder Woman was to Lindsay? Who did she look up to? What kind of attributes and things like that did she think about when we said Wonder Woman? Um, well, from my perspective, I think that some people would think Wonder Woman is just somebody that can do it all and um, juggle, you know, work and family and all these things. Um, but I think really a Wonder Woman is somebody who cares about their community cares about their family relationships and cares about themselves enough to take care of themselves. Mm. Um, I think when, if you would pose that question to Lindsay, um, you know, there were, there were women in her, there were women in her life that she really looked up to and that um, she looked as at, like to as friends and mentors, um, especially one of her really close friends, Deanna, who really is a Wonder Woman. I mean, that Mm -hmm. woman does it all. Um, She has a job. She helps her husband at his business. She is active in the community, and she's a really good friend um, to her friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Being caring. Caring. Exactly. That's a beautiful attribute. Yeah. I think that's that's wonderful. I love that. if Lindsay was still here today, what do you think she would tell her niece? What do you think that she would tell her her cousins? What do you think that she would tell the next generation of the girl power movement about life, about balance, about caring for others? And what would you tell that um, generation as well? 
Well, I would. Well, I'm going to start with me first because I would sure. say, live your life like Lindsay did after she was diagnosed. After she was diagnosed. Because her whole perspective on life changed, mm. and she realized what was important in her life, and she realized that life is short, and I think that being kind is huge to her, and that affects so many things that happens in your life daily if you're just being a kind, be kind, be kind, be considerate. Um, can I read you a little part out of out of one Absolutely. of the Absolutely, I love that. Yes, please. So this encapsulates Lindsay's look on life at you know in the midst of her treatments and as she was fighting this disease. And she even wrote this section where she wrote PSA. <laughs> let let go of the BS in your life, and she wrote wrote it out. Of course, life is too short in capital letters. Who cares if someone likes the Donald? Who got to remember this was right before the last election. Right, yeah. Who gives a hoot if you get cut off in traffic or if you're one minute late to work or if your shoes don't match your purse? Save that energy for something that actually matters. I wonder if someone would have told the younger me, don't sweat the small stuff. Stop worrying about everything. Your family is the most important, the most important thing in your world. Create your own happiness. Don't trust everyone so easily. Get on an anxiety medication, laugh out loud. (laughs) All these things could have changed my whole state of being. Would I have even listened? Doubtful. Would I be dealing with all of this right now if I had not spent the last 28 years stressing so much? Maybe. In the same breath, would I be completely independent, living comfortably in my own home at 28, if I would have been so carefree and naive? I'll never know. And I've stopped caring about what I'll never know, because I can't change. I'm happy today, with cancer, alone. Mm. I had the best day buying mums and playing with my dog, going to the hospital to get radiation. The person who almost T-boned me in the Genesis parking lot didn't get an F-U middle finger up and long, (laughs) hard push on my horn. I just stopped my car, smiled, and let them go in front of me and went on with my day. Looking forward to another good day tomorrow. That is beautiful. And that is Lindsay's legacy. I mean, that is what we can all learn from. Um, And I'm just so happy and thankful that you wanted to share Lindsay's story with us and that you're sharing this book with us as well, Diane. Thank you so, so much for doing that. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about Lindsay and to talk about this book and just help educate. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Wonder Women, for sure, you and Lindsay both. Diane, oh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you, Angie. So to our listeners, um, the website that you can learn more about this book is Lindsay's Legacy fund.com, lindsayslegacyfund.com. I'll make sure to include that on wqad.com under the podcast tab where you find 
all of our podcasts and all of our Wonder Women. Uh, we'll talk to you next month, but in the meantime, ladies out. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network.